It seems like creatives always get a bad rap. From childlike tantrums and ridiculous green room requests to strange superstitions and even self-mutilation, it's clear that artists have plenty of strange habits. But they've also made a pretty big impact on the world. Hi, I'm Kate Rooney. And I'm Jess Scuffy. And you're listening to Creatives Are the Worst, presented by Design Pickle, the leading flat rate graphic design and creative services platform. In this podcast, we'll be uncovering the fascinating myths and shocking stories behind the artists we love, or in some cases, love to hate, as we try to determine, are creatives the worst? Hello and welcome to Creatives Are the Worst, presented by Design Pickle. My name is Kate Rooney, and I'm with my lovely co-host, Jess Guffey. Hello, Catherine. Hello, Jessica. <laughs> going on well you know it's been a crazy week in the design pickle world um yeah i don't i don't even know how else to describe it it's just been a lot (laughs) i think you could describe it using out of context slack messages from some of our uh our colleagues that's true um i did get a slack message from a team member who is technically hr for our team and there was no prior conversation leading up to this but he did ask me, are women's swimsuits typically stretchy? <laughs> With no other context. And I, I have to say, Kate, this is not the weirdest out-of-context slack I could share with the group. Would you agree? <laughs> uh, I've seen a lot weirder, but I'm also just... Um, yes, Alec, they are typically pretty stretchy. So, yeah. I don't know how much stretch you're looking for i can't i cannot guarantee that but it led to a really interesting conversation that i will not disclose but it was it was a wild ride and you know what like we're used to that here at design pickle we do weird stuff all the time but uh that was a new one for me that that was a fun one It's all part of our grand plan we actually do have a reason why we're uh, including swimsuits <laughs> it's so ridiculous when you say it out loud we, we can't say it at this point because it's kind of a secret but the public will know probably by the time that this episode is aired we're very close Maybe. to the time that this episode airs so okay. it might be happening on the same day who knows but regardless <laughs> yeah that's design pickle in a nutshell <laughs> and on top of that, we also do a podcast with Design Pickle, which is what you're listening to right now. Pretty crazy. Yeah, good plug, Kate. Really subtle. <laughs> yeah, that was that was super subtle. But I am just excited to hear your story today. You've been hyping it up, and I'm a little scared, to be honest. <laughs> I'm scared because I've been hyping it up to try to get you pumped because both the subject and the industry that they're in are both things that you don't like so oh no (laughs) it's gonna be really interesting to see how this plays out i would just like to say as always this is purely our opinion people might have really strong feelings about this person either way (laughs) so let us know your thoughts i would love to hear thoughts on this particular individual um but this is all just according to our research and our opinions kate is definitely going to have some strong opinions so yeah (laughs) let us know how i want to guess but i might be way off base guess the industry let's see sports yep (laughs) okay 
I would like to clarify something here. I don't hate sports, first of all. I'm very passionate about stretchy swimsuits because I did <laughs> swim and play water polo. And I love hockey. True. But True. football, boring. Uh, football, aka soccer, also so boring. Sorry, Kaylin. Kaylin's our yeah. colleague that used to play uh, d- soccer. Don't even get me Started on golf, but I have a feeling you're going to be talking about golf today for some reason. Not golf. No, you're shaking Not your head. golf. Okay. So we're, we're in the clear on that. Oof. But we are going back into the sports world, a la Vince McMahon kind of style. Oh so we are covering someone that is a sports journalist. And before mm-hmm. we get into that, I kind of want to walk through the history of sports journalism. So it gives more context as to kind of how this person came to be who they are and how they were given a platform. Please do. Journalism itself, I think, is so interesting. And I think you and I both, as people that enjoy writing and enjoy editing and enjoy reading, I think journalism will always hold a special place in our hearts because it's essentially what we do at Design Pickle, but internally for Design Pickle. So it was really interesting to read about it. Like I knew a lot of this, but to see it in a serialized, hey, this is how things got here was fascinating. So As you may or may not know, sports journalism really took flight back in the early 1800s. So it's been around forever. People have been playing sports for a long time. What were they writing about? Like spinning hoops or something? Just all sorts of stuff. And I think, you know, people were looking for stuff to do back then. There wasn't any technology. They're like, oh, this horse took the cart down and it won, racing the other buggy. Like, I don't know. But there were sports that were going on back then and there were newspapers. So naturally, people started to write about sports and you know that continued and it continued to evolve and then into the 1900s it became a bigger and bigger and bigger deal sports became a bigger deal sports had more revenue tied to it they became things that people wanted to watch on television once that came out so similar to how the regular news cycle has evolved once we got to the digital age it completely changed how sports were accessed by people and how they're getting reported on, how people are accessing information. So before social media, breaking news would often be featured on network television or ESPN in the sports world and in general. Like ESPN and Sports Center would be like, oh my gosh, we got the scoop on this exclusive, and they would fight to break it. <laughs> Good job. I'm so proud Thank of you. you. <laughs> Yeah, so it'd be like the breaking news headline. They would report it. The anchors would sit there every night and be like, this is the breaking news. And that was the only way people could access it. But in the 1990s, which is weird to say, in the 90s. (laughs) I mean, that was five years ago, right? (laughs) Feels like it. ESPN, not surprisingly, was actually the first to start the trend of digital sports journalism. So they were the first sports outlet to actually have a website in the mid-90s, wow. which is crazy to think about. I bet it looked really good. I bet, too. I bet, the, I bet the design would thrill you, Kate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they kind of started the trend. They were trendsetters still back then. They've evened out over time with their trendsetting abilities. But now, fast forward to 2021... And the past, I would say, five to ten years, Twitter is the first place people report on sports information and consume it because it's bite-sized content. People can get it out in 140 characters or less, and you have that breaking news headline right at your fingertips versus waiting till 7 p.m. when an anchor breaks it on television. So in the old days, it used to be about getting the story or getting the exclusive 
And now it's about just having constant, constant content, which I think any journalist can relate to. And it's tough. It's tough on them because their jobs have evolved. So this is actually called a shift from a story to the stream. So versus getting one story, meeting your deadline and putting that out into the public, maybe three a week, you're constantly turning content out and hoping that people read it. I can't imagine that. It definitely applies to journalism and obviously sports journalism, but I think that's also true just in general for content Mm -hmm. creation. It's like, gotta have a constant flow. Yep. Gotta start a podcast. (laughs) It's so true. Gotta tweet it out. (laughs) It really is so true. And with this, I mean, total side note, but thought you would get a kick out of this. Female reporters were not even allowed in locker rooms until 1978. Yeah. 78. Uh-huh, 1978. <laughs> Mind you, this Sounds started in right. the 1800s, so it, it <laughs> took however long. It's fine. Everything's fine. But with that, you know, they would go into the locker rooms after the games. They would have deadlines a couple hours after the game ended, and they got the interview content that they were looking for. And now journalists in the sports world and any medium, like we keep saying, are always on deadline because they're always beating mm-hmm. people to get the story out or the headline out. So... Sports journalists, this is a nuance that you might not know, but with big trends and big headlines, you know, politically, socially, whatever, you have the headline and then you have sub stories that come out. But in sports journalism, they're supposed to and expected to get as nitty gritty as possible down to breaking news about player injuries. So like it could be as small as so-and-so's wrist hurts and he's not playing on Sunday. Like, people care about that stuff. So that is the type of content that they're getting out. Especially all the people who do their, uh, what's it it called again? I don't know. Fake sports. Fantasy (gasps) sports. (laughs) Fantasy sports. Fake sports. (laughs) Same diff. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's a billion dollar industry. So it's wild. But with this obviously the type of content i alluded to this earlier but sports journalists they're not just print writers they're having to fill the seat of a blog writer of a social media manager of a print writer still of a website writer like they're filling so many seats and they aren't getting other people to help them so it's really interesting dichotomy right now but with this evolution this getting us to where we are going today on this journey With it being all digital, people are obviously fighting for clicks. And what happens when people are fighting for clicks, Kate? Uh, It's very expensive, (laughs) first of all. (laughs) Take your marketing hat off. It can get really bloody when they're fighting. (laughs) Yes, that too. I don't know. What happens? Tell me. We get clickbait from that. And we get people that are radicalized. We get people just churning out hot takes because they're like, oh, this will drive revenue to my website or my company or whatever. So we get hot takes galore in this type mm-hmm. of environment. And if you think of, you know, the prominent sports outlets, you've heard of Barstool, obviously, like their whole shtick is just stuff that's wacky and weird that makes people click on it. So mm-hmm. They're one of the first ones that I can think of, but the person that we're covering today just fits this mold to an absolute T and arguably was ahead of his time. So we are covering Skip Bayless today. Do you know anything about him? No. Okay. I might recognize him if I looked up a a photo. 
But that's not guaranteed. (laughs) I doubt Leo watches him ever because I don't think he would. But we are covering Skip. Skip. Yeah. It's important to know there are three buckets of sports journalism, really, if you break it down. So there's analysis and commentary, which a lot of shows are centered around. There's investigative, so trying to get the scoop on if there are scandals within certain organizations, etc. And then there are play-by-play people, so the actual in-game announcers. Skip mm-hmm. is analysis and commentary to a T. No other, no other way to say it. So, Kate, I know for people like you that are not like diehard sports fans, like you appreciate hockey and you understand the significance of sports, I think. But I just want to run through how sports and sociopolitical issues are often very intertwined. And we've seen this a lot more over the past few years, especially this past year. Mm -hmm. But just to serve as a reminder that it's not just like, oftentimes it is, but oftentimes it's not just a bunch of people running around with announcers saying weird things and making us laugh. It's more focused on societal and political issues than people realize. Educate me, Jess. Some examples. The 1980 Olympics, Miracle on Ice, you might recall this story. Huge issues with the Soviet Union at the time, huge threats going on, lots of animosity. We beat the Soviet Union in hockey to win the gold medal. That game didn't win us the gold medal, but you know what I mean. Spoiler alert. (laughs) It happened in 1980, Kate. Uh, By the way, that Disney movie is a classic, so you should add it to your list if you haven't seen it already. Because you would like it. So that was a good example. Honestly, any Olympic games, I feel like, are very much so at the forefront of you know, political issues, things like that. Jackie Robinson breaking racial barriers in baseball, Muhammad Ali and everything he went through. OJ Simpson (laughs) being a national news story. I'm sorry, who? Yeah, right? That's one that people forget that he was an athlete before he was a murderer. (laughs) Steroids in baseball, that brought to light a lot of issues that not just athletes were having with anabolic steroids, but people across the country, college athletes, even amateur athletes that had no business taking steroids. The U.S. women's national team for soccer, the equal pay thing, they are still fighting that battle. So that is a huge thing, and they're using their platform to discuss that. And of course, Colin Kaepernick. Uh, Do you know about that situation? I do. Yeah. So it really does intersect. Can't say it enough. But if you have other examples, let us know. I'd love to hear thoughts on that and how you feel athletes are, you know, entitled to a platform and should use it or not. Because a lot of people have very strong opinions on that. (laughs) Anywho, we are talking about Skip Bayless who was born as John Edward Bayless in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma in 1951. Now, his parents owned a barbecue restaurant in Oklahoma City. Have you been to Oklahoma City? I have not. Um, yeah, it's an interesting city. I, I don't really have much to say about it, but it's an have interesting... Have you been there? I have. The Women's College World Series for softball is hosted in Oklahoma City. They have like the Hall of Fame there and stuff for women's softball and the oh, national wow. team would train there. So when I was like 14, we went to a, a Hall of Fame tournament there and got to play <laughs> on like the big field and everything. It was cool. Oh, a little baby Jess. Yeah, baby Jess. So it's an interesting city, but I digress. His dad, John's dad at this time, started calling him Skip from the very beginning, like since he was born. But he also called his mom Skip, as in Skipper of the Ship. So Skip was the mom and Skip was the son. (laughs) 
That's not confusing at all. Uh, hey, Skip. Hey, Skip. Hey, Skip. Like, which Skip are you talking to? I don't know. Wait, I'm sorry. Which, what year was this? 1951. Because that's such a 1951 yes. nickname. Yeah, because we were the experts on that. We were alive at that time. <laughs> no, I mean, you don't hear that no, nowadays. You but you you do know a lot of people who are like that age now who go by Skip. Totally. Including one of my dad's friends. That's my <laughs> only point of reference. That's so funny. It's true, though. So Skip was actually never called John. He was never called the name that he was given so much so that he legally changed his name to Skip when he could because he's like, I don't identify with this name at all. I don't know why it's even my name. So he is officially Skip. He had two siblings, and all of them worked at the family barbecue restaurant. And his brother, Rick, you actually might know this since you have ties to Chicago, but his brother, Rick Bayless, actually went on to become a famous chef. We could probably do a whole episode on him and has a ton of restaurants in Chicago. I've actually been to many of them, and they are fantastic. It's usually Mexican food, which is kind of interesting considering his Oklahoma City roots, but it is fantastic. So, Hmm. Yeah, another famous sibling. He actually doesn't talk to either of his siblings, though, which we'll get into a little bit. Okay, a little uh, little foreshadowing. Yeah. (laughs) Uh Yep, we'll talk about why. The unfortunate part of Skip's upbringing is he had a very tumultuous home life, and there was a lot of abuse, a Mm. lot of instability, a lot of nasty, nasty stuff going on. So he actually, a few years ago, wrote an essay about it and wanted to kind of talk about his childhood. And he said, and I quote, I was, quote, raised by an evil creep of an alcoholic father and a self-absorbed mother who eventually fell to the bottom of the bottle herself. Now, when I read about an athlete who grew up without a father, I wish I had. Now, when I read about the single mother who loved her future star son so much she worked three jobs while playing mother and father, I wish I'd had that mother. Not once did either parent ever ask how I was doing in sports or school or tell me they loved me. I was amused by the recent social media controversy over how Tom Brady encouraged his son to kiss him on the mouth. I couldn't have imagined either of my parents ever kissing me, period. Okay. So... (laughs) You had kind of mentioned at the top that this is going to be kind of an, a very psychologically interesting episode. And right off the bat, if if you said that this article was fairly recent, it sounds like our pal Skip over here really needs to work through some issues. And I don't know if you're going to talk about this yet, but I'm, I wonder how his siblings feel about how they were raised. I will get there a little bit, but I would love to know more. There wasn't that much. So yes, that was a more recent article. He did come out recently, but he also said his dad would treat him like a party trick. So he would have guests over on Saturday nights and pour booze down his throat as a four year old (gasps) and like, see what happens. Like it wasn't just, Oh, you suck. It was like aggressive abuse. Well, now I feel really bad for what I just said. It's okay. You didn't know. It's really dark. And he said, It often got physical. He would recall his dad would intentionally strike him in the eye with his wedding ring to make more of an impact. So like just diabolical level stuff here. And he said he was nothing but a coward of a bully. So it's a lot. He said ultimately his viewpoint is that his parents' lack of affection made him have high work ethic and really Mm. thick skin. It's tough. (laughs) It's tough. 
I can see in your face like you're kind of working through that because I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what Skip's going to get into next. But <laughs> I was listening to a podcast the other day and it probably was a true crime podcast, but they were talking about someone really awful and they too had a really horrible childhood. And it's hard because you feel so bad for them. But then they said something that was like, we feel sad for that child, but the adult still needs to take responsibility. And I think that's that is so probably true. a fair assumption in this scenario. We we feel really sad for the child, Skip, young Skip here. Yes. That's awful. Yes. A journalist once said when he was interviewing Skip, get Skip going on his own life or the meager bits of it not subsumed by watching and judging players and the air leaks out of him. It's like talking suddenly to a hardware salesman, albeit one who knows his way around a punchline. So it's very clear that he still has a lot of hesitation about talking about his family, which I think is probably why he wrote an essay talking about Mm -hmm. it for the very first time. But it's interesting to see that, you know, this probably... I will be curious to see your thoughts on this, but this probably dictated his entire persona that he puts on now. Hmm. So to kind of get away and escape from the abuse, he would often read the sports page and memorize the stories, stat lines, and box scores. It offered him some sort of refuge, and he was a voracious reader, so it wasn't just the sports page. He would read anything and everything he could get his hands on. In middle school, he started doing speaking competitions and winning speaking competitions, just like our girl Oprah. Oprah, yeah, yeah. who what? also had a very tumultuous, yeah. I mean, that not even tumultuous, like very dark childhood. Totally. Yep. Reading, man, you could escape. Reading. It's great. Carrie Fisher was a big reader and writer yeah. too. So really interesting to see how that develops people, but. He also spent most of his weekends at friends' houses to get away from his parents, and he didn't even have curfews or rules. Like, they literally just didn't Mm -hmm. care where he was. And he said friends never stayed over at his house, but the one thing that his mom made him do was go to church, (laughs) which influenced him so much that he, for a second, considered becoming a preacher. Which is really really interesting to me. Uh, That also reminds me of Oprah, because they called her the preacher when she was a kid, because she was so good at public speaking. And if he was too, then yeah, maybe he saw that as a viable career path, knowing that he was talented at that. Totally. So when he was 14 years old, still really young, he had a very pivotal moment with his dad when he realized that he needed to get out of there permanently and never go back to where his parents were. They were at the barbecue restaurant, and his dad was allegedly drunker than usual and abusing him in front of the entire staff, verbally. He also started physically abusing him when he started throwing hot cookers at Skip, so he would have to catch them, and it would burn his hands if he wanted to protect his body. Terrible. Like, absolutely terrible. So they started getting physical, and Skip ended up throwing his dad into a vat of potato salad... At the age of 14. (laughs) Where on earth is there an actual vat of potato salad? A barbecue restaurant. That's the right answer. (laughs) Good job, you passed. (laughs) That sentence is so disturbing, but it's also, if you take the abuse part out of it, the vat of potato salad, like, just picturing that is disgusting. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. So his dad obviously was not thrilled about being thrown into potato salad. Who would be? 
screamed at him to go home and skip cites this still to this day as the last time that they truly talked hmm very upsetting i got really sad when i was reading all this because like we said no child deserves to be treated like that and at age 14 you still don't know what's going on like no you just want to be loved it's just it's yeah it's a lot it's awful yeah so despite all of this awfulness he had perfect grades he played three sports and he wrote for the school paper And he felt like it was the only path for him, knowing that there were no sports in his background in his family. There was no college background in his family. He felt like he had to be an overachiever in order Mm -hmm. to get the hell out of Oklahoma City and away from his family. So getting towards high school here, he had a baseball coach that was exactly like his dad, super abusive, super not nice dude. And to try to test this and do a full takedown, he published an article in his school paper about the coach, talking about how abusive he was, like total expose on this guy. Oh. And the town was ablaze. He <gasps> totally set off just a media fire with this article from a school paper, and people were freaking out. And not too long after that, he got a call from Vanderbilt University saying he won a full ride scholarship. <gasps> For being the best high school sports writer in the country. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. So he was like, you know what? I don't want to take it from this guy anymore. Just going to put it in the paper and see what happens. And it ended up getting him a full ride scholarship. So it worked yeah, out. Yeah, he, he kind of killed two birds with one stone. Like he called this guy out and then also got a scholarship like exactly to a really good school by the way (laughs) so yeah it was later said that his coach that he took down in this article told his middle school coach who he loved for baseball when they were golfing together that if he ever runs into skip he'll kill him he was so mad so this is skip's first hater really (laughs) went all the way back to high school I'm so sorry, but I thought you said Skip's first tater, like going back to the potato salad. Well, now like, I want what? freaking tater tots, Kate. Thanks. Oh, sounds really good right now. Mm-hmm. We're hungry. Clearly. <laughs> Anyways, because he got a full ride scholarship to Vanderbilt, he ended up leaving home for good at the age of 18. Now, this is what his siblings have not forgiven him for because they were younger. So oh, they for were leaving. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was going to be something way worse than that. It's tough for me to digest this because, like, do you blame him for leaving? That's so tricky. Like, he's 18. He can't take younger children with you. I just, I don't know. Who knows? Whatever. But with that, his family kind of spiraled. His dad ended up leaving his mom for his mom's friend and just... His Gosh. mom started drinking more. It's really dark stuff. I probably should have said that at the top of the episode. <laughs> Where's the warning? Sorry. Oy. So he goes to college and his dad passes away his freshman year of college. So literally they went from potato salad fight to his dad passing away a mere four or five years after. Not That's great. crazy too because he never got a chance to, to kind of work through those issues with his father. Maybe they're could have been a chance for that yeah. probably not but maybe but you know and he's still so of- young mm-hmm. uh-huh. 
So when he graduates from Vanderbilt, he goes to work for the Miami Herald. And then from there, he goes to Dallas Morning News and is a columnist there. So only three years at the Miami Herald. And it's a big deal in the sports journalism world to get promoted to a columnist. Like you have your name on the byline consistently. You're churning out content and you're a big deal at that point. People know who you are. So because he was successful at the Dallas Morning News, two daily papers in Dallas were bidding for him. And this has no relevance to anything, but he was able to negotiate a country club membership because they were bidding so high for him that he was like seeing what they would put in. And he was like, yeah. oh, I'll take a country club membership. And they were like, done. You got it. <laughs> Might as well, man. Yeah. <laughs> so he's in Dallas. He's writing. People are getting to know him. Like he's becoming a pretty big deal. And by 1990, he's rocketed to the public eye because... He's just, like I said, churning out content. So he writes his first book on the Dallas Cowboys. Kate, that's a football team. Just say no. Oh, get out of here. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) You jerk. (laughs) But also thank you because I might not know. (laughs) I should have made a manual for you going into this, like homework assignment. (laughs) You need to research these teams and people. Anyways, so he writes his first book on the Cowboys, and it was called God's Coach, The Hymns, Hype, and Hypocrisy of Tom Landy's Cowboys. So it was all about the coach of the Cowboys. Now, in the book, Skip proclaims himself as a born-again Christian, and one review of the book said he seemed to feel obliged to put his own devoutness on display. So like, hmm. he kind of used the book to talk about his own stuff, which is interesting to me from a psychology perspective, like trying to get some stuff off your chest, but I don't know. But especially about religion, too. Yeah, interesting. So he took most of this book to drag the coach, Tom Landy, and the president of the Cowboys and personnel director at the time, and he called them the unholy trinity. And he spent most of the book calling people phonies. <laughs> what does that remind you no. of? Mm-hmm. Catcher in the rye. Yep. Wait, do you know what was wrong with Landy? Like, why he didn't like him specifically? Is that there are a ton of reasons? Yeah, like anyone can look it up if you're curious. It was honestly too much to put in this because there is a long list of reasons. Basically, thought that he was a hypocrite, didn't like the way that he operated the team, thought that you know he tried to make himself appear one way and acted the complete opposite way behind closed doors. So, yeah, skip. Yeah, so he didn't like him. He called him out. Whatever. In 1991, the book was a success, so Skip secured a spot on a local radio station. And this is where we really like to, you know, comment on his dramatic flair. We really start to see him getting into the dramatics here. One of the columns he wrote during this time riled up the general manager of the Texas Rangers. Do you know what sport that is? Wait, that's hockey, isn't it? (laughs) No. Who who are... No. <laughs> Those are the Dallas. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Those are the stars in Dallas. Uh, Texas Rangers baseball. Oh, yeah. Definitely didn't know that. Yeah. So he wrote a column that fired the GM of the Rangers up so much, they got into an argument pre-game one time and physically had to be pulled apart. <laughs> like, what are you doing? What on, are you guys. doing? Yep. Later that year, one of the Cowboys players, uh, they were on a flight together on a private jet, and Skip was with them because he was covering them. And one of the players got drunk in the plane and over the PA system started calling Skip out, just going for him, and was really pissed about something that Skip had written about quarterback Troy Aikman. 
So Skip, being a little shisey dude, went back to where this giant man, he was probably double Skip's size, he was a lineman, so he was massive, went back to where he was sitting and physically fought the guy. In a later recollection, Skip recalls, combined two words, Skip recalls that he could have been killed by this guy, yet he just thought it was a good idea to go fight him anyways. And it escalated to the point that the head coach of the Cowboys at the time had to come and physically break them apart from each other in order to get them both to stop. Dude, you're a reporter. Come on. What are you doing? Do you know know if he was drunk too? He was not. Okay. Mm -hmm. He just thought it was a good idea, which I don't know, whatever. So yeah, we start to see his, uh, his edgy side come out then. In 1993, he writes another book called The Boys, the untold story of the Dallas Cowboys' season on the edge. Now, this is more gossipy and like behind the scenesy things that fans love to see. So a review said, The new management of the team, by fortunate contrast, is under no illusions about being God's chosen. So Bayless is free to concentrate upon football, about which he knows far more than he does about theology. <laughs> <laughs> What's his beef with the Cowboys? Well, he's just because he's in Dallas at this point, still covering them, and he's a sports columnist. So, like, he has to be in tune with it. No one asked him to write this book. He just wanted to write this book. So that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like, why that this is kind of beyond your job? But I guess it's making waves. It is is juicy. Yeah. Yep. He knew that it was going to cause controversy, and he was stoked to be the one to provide that. So. Because he's still rocketing to fame and notoriety at this point, he founds a sports station in Dallas after this book, and he immediately makes it successful because, of course, totally fine. So this is going on, and then in 1996, his reputation is not so great in Dallas by this point because... Yeah, no kidding. You guessed it, Kate. Hot takes galore. (laughs) He was way ahead of his time, as I said earlier. You don't mess with Texas. That's one you thing don't I do know. mess with Texas. One writer even recalls, they said, by 1996, Bayless was as polarizing a figure in Dallas as he now is across America. A lot of, perhaps most local sports writers, didn't like him. They charged that he was a born controversialist, true, and a loner who didn't drink with the boys at Louie's Bar, also true. Bayless doesn't drink much, if at all. So they just kind of went in on him. Like, I mean, we can't fault him for that. There's no. nothing wrong with that. But they, they basically said he was an outcast. No one liked him. And the sports writers are weird because they're really close, but they have to compete with each other. So because they have to compete, they actually form really close relationships with one another and help each other out. And it sounds to me like Skip wanted nothing to do with that. He just wanted to be by himself and make himself successful. So whatever, dude. Hmm. He also, you guessed it, wrote a third book on the Cowboys. This year. <laughs> okay, we weren't done yet. Okay, We weren't done yet. This is the worst one of all. This one was called Hellbent, the crazy truth about the win or else Dallas Cowboys. Now, Kate, as a Dallas Cowboys fan, put yourself in their shoes. <laughs> If someone said the crazy truth in a book title, would you buy it? Oh, for sure. Exactly. I, I was going to say before you, you asked that, that is the most clickbaity title mm-hmm. of all time, though. Yeah. The so, crazy truth. The okay. crazy truth about the winner else, Dallas Cowboys. 
Okay, bro. So this book was the most controversial of all because he goes into detail on, quote, questionable content about Troy Aikman, who's a very famous quarterback, now turned commentator, about his life off the field and discusses the, quote, rumors that Troy Aikman was actually gay. Now, he tries to mask it by saying he spoke to Troy's agent and a team source and a friend of Troy, all of whom said he was not gay, but he still talks about it a lot in the book. And he claimed the rumor had been floating around Dallas for years, and he was just trying to investigate it to get people the truth. But you still put it in your book? Yep. And he also alleged that Aikman used the N-word, which was a completely unsubstantiated claim. So just kind of went in on Troy Aikman, who I cannot tell you enough, like, everyone that follows sports knows who Troy Aikman is, was wildly successful quarterback, still on television, like, very articulate, very charismatic dude. So, not surprisingly, the book upset Troy for a long time. <laughs> I, I just don't understand. How do you become such a well-known and reputable reporter to get a column and you're going to write this kind of crap that's not based off in any kind of like actual evidence? That yep. There's a dichotomy there. I don't really understand. Like It sounds like he's writing for National Enquirer. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And Troy Aikman said later after the book, I'm upset about it because it was made up and there was nothing accurate about anything that was insinuated. And he did it, as he does everything, just for attention. I'm probably mm. more upset because I probably should have responded to it at the time it was going on. And when Skip's asked about it still to this day, he's just flippant and said no one actually believed the rumors. <sighs> Why'd you put it in the book then, Skip? Skip. Come on. Yep. And he also said, for the record, I tried to get in touch with Troy after he seemed to have a public issue with it. I wrote him a note that said, I'm dumbfounded by this, that you have any issue with this book. I would have thought you would have loved this book. He was like the last American hero to me. And to this day, I haven't seen Troy and I would be happy to sit down with him today and talk to him. Yeah, he probably doesn't want to, Skip. <laughs> you burned that bridge, Skip. So. And maybe you should have had that conversation with him before you published a book with crazy rumors. Yeah. The crazy truth. And don't put truth in the title if it's not true. Exactly. They're unsubstantiated claims. Like, you're not doing journalism at that point. You're doing clickbait, and there's a big difference. So, needless to say, the feud is ongoing, and Troy has said, success is achieved by acquiring and developing talented, respected, and credible individuals, none of which applies to Skip Bayless. <laughs> Savage. I actually really like Troy Aikman, and I feel awful that he went through all this because yeah. clearly Skip had an ulterior motive, which was to sell books and then not mm -hmm. care. So, yeah. Hey, Jess, what do you call a pickle sale? I don't know. What do you? A sweet dill. Oh, <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, that joke might be the worst, but you know what's not the worst? Design pickle. That's right. Design Pickle is the world's leading flat rate creative services platform, offering so many features. I could go on and on, but some of my favorites are unlimited requests, unlimited revisions, Adobe source files, brand profiles, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And on top of all those great features, there's also a 30 day satisfaction guarantee. So all new users can sign up, try it for a month and see if it's a good fit for you or your business. And extra bonus, if you're a listener of this podcast, sign up using the code WORST and get $100 off your first month of any of our plans. That's right. That's code 
WORST, W-O-R-S-T, all caps, and get $100 off any plan for your first month. That's a pretty sweet deal indeed. So that's Troy Aikman. And by 1998, he was, Skip, not Troy, was the lead sports columnist for the Chicago Tribune, which is obviously a huge sports market. Chicago is very much so a sports city, and this is a very big deal. And he won several awards while he was here for journalism, excellence in journalism. I'm not even going to go into all of them because he won a lot, and it was kind of annoying to see. <laughs> even after all the stuff in Dallas, too? Uh-huh. Yeah. Huh. Wins awards and yeah. So by 2001, because, you know, people liked him and he was successful, he was starting to get a bunch of opportunities with ESPN. He was guest hosting radio shows with Jim Rome. He was debating people on other shows. He was doing all the things at the point where he decided to go to TV full time. So he was getting so much success with ESPN. Then 2004, he gets the call to save the show called Cold Pizza. <laughs> I love cold pizza, though. <sighs> cold Not pizzas. the show. I don't know about the show. I'm just cold. talking about the, the food. That's how you know if it's good pizza. If it's good cold, then it's good pizza. Again, we're hungry. <laughs> I'm so hungry. Now I want pizza. Oh, my gosh. So Cold Pizza was a sports variety show. Skip moved to New York to be on it. He had 10-minute segments and was now obviously debating on a national stage. He was debating with a sports journalist named Woody Page. Have you ever heard of Woody Page? Mm, hard no. So Woody, he's famous for a lot of things. He's been around for a very long time, but he's probably most famous for this little quirk that he has, which is no matter what show he's on, he has a chalkboard behind him and it always has a really funny quote. And I literally <sighs> remember watching Around the Horn, which is a show that is on ESPN that he used to be on all the time and just dying laughing at these chalkboard quotes. So just I'm going to give you a couple because you're actually going to really enjoy these. Oh, I'm excited. If it fits in a toaster, I can cook it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not true. Don't follow that advice. <laughs> Another one. Is there a Rosetta Stone for learning to talk Starbucks? <laughs> what? I don't even understand that one. Like the venti grande, you know, uh, learning. Okay, that's learning like a, the, such a dad joke. Oh, my god, Such a dad joke. Please wait. Sarcasm loading. And he literally had like a battery loading on the chalkboard. And that's a Kathy comic right there. Uh-huh. And the last one, there are so many because he does it every day, but the last one is my most favorite. I'm the most humble guy you'll ever meet. <laughs> All right, so he's really funny and I actually really enjoy him, uh, but they would debate each other. Woody and Skip, like, come Woody on. And Skip. Yeah, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's so stupid. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, like I mentioned, he's on the national stage at this point, lots more attention. And in typical Skip fashion, he starts causing even more of a stir. One journalist said, Skip is, quote, tossing brickbats at show pony jocks. Bayless struck a chord with disaffected fans who'd had it up to here with Me First Divas, but more than a few African Americans and media critics were appalled by the sight of a southern fried white man roasting black icons for their stunts. Ooh. That's harsh, but yeah. probably true. Around this time, people also started comparing him to the Rush Limbaugh of sports. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's how many people he was rubbing the wrong way. 
at this point. So. But he's still doing it. So still it's working. Doing it at this point, still going this way. Not. I mean, I kind of felt the same way about Howard Stern when we did that episode, but people love him. I'll, I'll never forget after we recorded that episode and walked out of the studio. And someone asked, like, oh, how did it go? I love Howard Stern. And I was like, oh. He's go listen to it. <laughs> I would probably compare Skip to Howard more than anyone else that we've covered. I mean, they okay. literally use the word shock jock to describe yeah. him. So anyways, Rush Limbaugh Sports, let that one sink in. <laughs> so in 2007, the show Cold Pizza is rebranded to First Take. And... He had been writing still at this point, but he kind of stops writing around this time just to focus on first take slash cold pizza. Now, 2008, rapper Nelly comes on the show and Skip is like obsessed with him, calls himself a huge fan, praises Nelly, like all this stuff. And this actually opened the doors for other rappers to come on his show. And it ultimately opened the doors for Lil Wayne to come on the show. <sighs> yes. Now, Apparently, allegedly, throw any other word in there you want, Lil Wayne and Skip are very good friends still to this day. Uh, I, I don't even know. Apparently, they talk all the time. Skip has openly declared his love for Lil Wayne, saying they just talk all the time. They're That's my dude. They're really good friends. And has praised Lil Wayne's racial views. It goes on and on and on. Like, they have a serious bromance. So just let, Interesting. let that sink in. Was not expecting that. Nope. Who was? At all. Not me. The whole Nelly thing. I was like, that's so, what, like 2001, you said? Uh, 2008. So. Oh, 2008. Still. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nelly. Yep. Sounds about right. <laughs> so yeah, he and Lil Wayne. Weezy, though. What's going on there? Weezy F, baby. I don't know. Really interesting matchup there. It's I love odd celebrity friendships, but this one I was like, hey, hey. I can really see it. I can see I can see Martha and Snoop, but I cannot see this combo. Right? So true. So in 2012, First Take had doubled the audience. They had to revamp it, and the focus group showed that viewers wanted more debate, and they wanted specifically to see skip debate. And the producer said, as we in the TV business say, he cuts through, meaning he cuts through the noise, he cuts through the bullshit. I have thoughts on that, but I just, you know, whatever. Well, going to, yeah, because that sounds like he says the truth. He speaks his mind. But is that the real truth? Right. It seems a little murky at this point. Right. So, it's one thing to be, like, outspoken, but are you really saying the facts? Yep. Very good point, Kate. Thank now, you. he does start writing around this time, but he has a couple very prominent feuds that come to light at this time. And I want to share a clip with you on one of them. Let's see if I can share my screen. This is a very famous person that I know you know. Start by just finding out what's your, I, I, you may have more than one issue, but what's your biggest issue with Skip? It, it's not just Skip. It's, it's sports writers, sports media in general, where everything's generalities, right? Excruciating pressure. What the hell is that, right? You know, who's need leader. pressure. That's it, 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 that meaning what, Skip? Meaning that you personally watched up close and personal what LeBron went through last year against your Dallas Mavericks. Was it not the biggest collapse of a superstar that we've ever witnessed on a, a finals or championship stage? No. I mean, first of all, it's a team game, 
right? You guys like to talk in complete generalities where no one can question you, right? You, you don't ever use facts. You don't ever use substance. You don't, don't ever, ever use, use facts. No. That's all I use on this show. What, excruciating <laughs> pressure, undeniable this. You know, it's just all generalities. There's never been a star under more pressure going into a finals, a championship series or game than LeBron James was under after nine years and three league MVPs. Well, first of all, you have the presumption that people care what you say. <laughs> they don't. When, when guys want that, when guys That's your opinion. The, no, no, I, I'm talking about media in general. When guys get ready to play and they're in the locker room, they're not thinking, okay, well, what's written, what's going to be written, what's being said, right? I mean, they're getting prepared. And if you've got a good coach and you've got a good culture, then guys are ready to play no matter what. Like you guys were just talking about, you know, Miami wanted to, wanted it more or less. Like that is just such, such horse, you know what, right? <sighs> Mark can always count on Mark to tell the truth. <laughs> I so uh, Leo and I, my husband and I, love to watch Shark Tank, and we get a hoot every time. You'll notice it now if you watch. But no matter what, Mark Cuban always has to have the last word when the person presenting walks out. Whether it's congratulations, you guys, or <laughs> thanks, you guys, like he every single time. Congratulations. I really do like Mark Cuban. Like I, I like oh, him. Oh yeah, he's great. He's great. But it just—it was so funny to me. And then he tried to temper it by saying, "Oh, not just you, Skip," but he was literally looking him in the eye and saying, "You don't speak in facts." Which, yeah, did he lie? But uh, I thought uh, the best part about that is that Skip responds by saying another totally like exaggerated <laughs> statement. Like you're you're proving Mark's point right now. Yep. Like, it's like he can't even listen to feedback or uh-huh. other people and formulate an educated response. He just is going to say his opinion no matter what, is how <laughs> I perceive that. So, <laughs> that's Mark Cuban. Another feud that's very... I was actually going to do, as a side note, a whole segment on the feuds that he has, because there are so many. But I decided to sprinkle them out so we didn't get super mad all at one time. <laughs> <laughs> So he also has a feud with Charles Barkley. Um, Oh, no. For those of you that don't know, Charles Barkley is a basketball legend. He's a commentator now. He's known for being quite outspoken. He's also in Space Jam. Yep. Most importantly, um, Mm -hmm. I actually really think he's funny. He crosses the line sometimes, but he's a very well-meaning dude. He does a bunch for the community. Like, I actually really enjoy Charles. So... Charles believes wholeheartedly that Skip just criticizes people for better ratings and has said before that the reason he doesn't like Skip is because of the way he shares his opinion on different sports. He said that views that commentators share are not universal views and they Mm -hmm. never pretend to know it all. But Skip is someone that believes he knows everything, which is what makes Charles Barkley really, really mad. And I thought that was a really poignant take on him, Mm -hmm. to be honest. And He at one point said, (laughs) I'm going to read two different quotes. In one interview, he said, we all know I hate Skip Bayless. (laughs) Just right to the point. (laughs) But listen, we don't know everything about all these sports. We're paid to give our opinion. It's just our opinion. But you don't see me talking like, well, like this guy isn't a good football player. This isn't a good baseball player because you don't know anything about baseball or football just because you watch the game. I always preface my opinion with, in my opinion, because Uh it just is my opinion. Hey, man, that's why we say that at the top of every single Mm -hmm. one of these episodes and at the end, because it's true. We can't just 
spout out opinions as facts, especially in a case like this where I don't know a lot about <laughs> the subject <laughs> you're matter. Anything. You know some, Kate. I did. I, I. You're right. I totally caught myself with that. Agree with you, Charles. So true. Totally. So on the Dan Patrick show, side note, Dan Patrick is by far my favorite sports journalist. He has been on ESPN. He's now hosted his own radio show for years. And it's just, it's fantastic. He's friends with people outside of sports like Darius Rucker, Josh Jumel, and we'll bring them on. And he is like the polar opposite of Skip, in my opinion. Like, he's, Didn't he tweet at Design Pickle? That was before? Rich Eisen. But uh, Dan Patrick's team responded to an illustration we sent of Dan and his team. And oh, they were, nice. they were super stoked about it. So yeah, we have some history there. But Charles said in his jokes, they're also very good friends. He said, if I get a disease and I'm going to die, how about you get Skip Bayless in here and I'll kill him on live television? Oh. <laughs> and then said, just Whoa. get him in here. Only when I know I'm going to die. Because I just want to get Skip Bayless in a room one time and beat him like a dog. That <laughs> took a much darker turn than I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. You know what's really sad, too, is... This guy is, like, creating hate towards himself, pretty much. But <laughs> to the point where someone like Charles Barkley is going to say he wants to be violent towards him. But it's like, is he doing it intentionally because of his childhood or something? Like, what is going on there? I know. It's all over the place. Now, he really clearly likes feuds. He likes to have ongoing feuds with people. And he, another thing he does, and he still does this is bait pro athletes to come on his show just to, like, openly shit on them. Oh, that's messed up. So do you know who Richard Sherman is? Sounds familiar, but I'm going to say no. So he's a very famous football player. He's an all-pro cornerback. He went to Stanford, highly educated, very big trash talker in football, became well-known for his outspoken personality. So in 2013, he went on Skip's show because he was invited on, and I'm going to show another clip. I was super uncomfortable watching this clip, like super uncomfortable. And I felt myself tensing as I watched it because their interaction is so bizarre that I just feel like you need to see it to get more context. So here Hit we me. go. You speak to me whenever you address me. Address, address me as all pro staff or graduate because those are some accomplishments you will never, you can aspire to, you will never accomplish. You have never accomplished anything. So, but... Um, those things are on my resume. Those are those are what I've done. It's my second year in the NFL, going on my third. I mean, you tell me who's wrong. Okay, uh, I'll accept that. I, I think I've accomplished more in my field than you have in yours, though you're just getting oh. started. So, so I'm I'm the top of my field. So I'm all pro. I'm the best, one of okay. the best 22 players in the NFL. You're, you're going to brush it off, but I don't think you're the best 22 anything in sports and in media and well, anything. I think you debatable. think more of yourself than. You actually can, you know, prove. But okay. I'll, you think you're like better than Darrell like is right now? In my in my 24 years of life, I'm better at life than you. Let's not get personal here. I just oh, come on, you Skip. Think you're better than Darrell Revis is right now. I'm better than you. <laughs> so, I, I have no, nothing to say about him. I mean, that's that's pretty much done. My numbers speak for themselves. Uh, now, you want to trash talk me, which is totally cool with me. Actually, but I'm on a what? campaign to do a lot of community service. I'm, okay, I'm LA, I know you are at your high school. For. We're going to talk in about LA, that in just a minute. High school, but, high school kids, what is your, what's your goal? What, with a Richard, goal. what's your motive here? To be you, the best NFL corner in 
Okay, but do you do you want to do you want to promote yourself into a bigger name, a household name, so that you can do more commercials and and maybe have your own show? Is that your goal? The first team all pro is my goal. I accomplished it. So. <laughs> what? That made me angry. Like, uh, what is his like <laughs> end game here? I don't understand. And the, the, what really set me off is his um, how he did brush it off. Like we can't see because this is a podcast. But Skip's reaction was just like shrugging and rolling his eyes. Like he's just so dismissive about everything. Totally. And Richard, as I previously stated, he's known to be very outspoken. But at that point, he's 24 years old. He is all pro. He's first team all pro. And Skip's like, you haven't done anything. Yeah. What are what you are saying? <laughs> why? <laughs> like, for why? I mean, I guess we know why, because it gets people to watch. But yep. there's also a sense of like, I don't know, is it worth it for you to be that way, to behave that way towards other people? And it's really interesting to me. And I think this really ties back to like, why are we covering him? He's not a traditional creative, but he is crafting a narrative and that takes oh, creativity. Yeah. And every move he makes is calculated. Every move he makes is a part of his story that he's wanting to tell. And unfortunately, or fortunately, that takes creativity. And we've seen that throughout all of these feuds thus far. Like he is intentionally crafting these for himself. He's intentionally baiting people. So don't think for a second that he's not creative because unfortunately that takes an evil creativity, but Mm -hmm. creativity nonetheless. It's twofold too, because I mean, he was clearly very bright and, or is very bright. And it seems like a lot of that came from, or stemmed from his rough childhood and wanting to go above and beyond and, and focusing on school and clearly is a very talented writer and was from the start. That takes a lot of creativity, but now on top of that, he, it's like he's he took those talents and has leveraged it to this crazy storytelling narrative yep. that people. Some it's so weird because a lot of, it seems like a lot of people just really hate him, but he must have fans. I don't know. He does. <laughs> he gets viewers, and people hate watch him. So it's just yeah. it's a weird, weird dynamic. So. But watching him is infuriating. Just yeah. seeing that clip made my skin crawl. <laughs> I know. Me too. So in 2016, not that long ago, he left ESPN for Fox Sports and started the show Skip and Shannon Undisputed. So it's literally just a debate show on Fox Sports. And he allegedly wanted to follow the producer that made First Take a success, so the one that kind of revamped it. But he also came out and played the victim a little bit and said he was the subject of a lot of hate while at ESPN. Now, this is where I was really shocked, and I'm not going to say anything else about that, but he painted himself as a, quote, liberal maverick who was too hot for the conservative suits at ESPN to handle. He also called ESPN a, quote, white establishment and said he was never liked because he is a communist and going to break the rules. (laughs) You just threw so much at me right now. I know. (laughs) I don't. Too... Too liberal for ESPN. Mm-hmm. And what about whiteness? I'm sorry, because he called ESPN a quote, capitalized, white establishment, and said he was never liked because he's a communist. <laughs> now, sources at ESPN, of course, say 
that's not at all true. We didn't like him because he's a jerk and he was paid a lot of money to just be angry on television. I I just like couldn't wrap my head around any of that. I'm not going to say anything else, like I said, but I just the whole concept to me was not what I expected. Mm-hmm. Now, he also, before he left ESPN, he had a rare case where he argued a take that wasn't totally off the wall. He actually supported Colin Kaepernick and said that he should have a job despite the peaceful protests that he was hosting in NFL games and that NFL owners were like kind of doing him dirty. And he said that there are NFL players who've committed crimes and still get to play. So like, why are people so mad at Colin Kaepernick for taking a stand? Maturity? I don't know. But I was shocked to hear that from Skip. (laughs) Do you think he thought maybe that would be the controversial stance? I don't know. Who really knows with him? I mean, later this year in 2016, he forgot to switch to a burner account on Facebook, on social media, and he complimented himself from his own verified (gasps) Skip Bayless account on a Facebook live stream, saying, Skip, you are the man. Love the new show on FS1. Oh, no. Yeah, he did it. And it really, it just set social media on fire, (laughs) as you can imagine. People were so funny. I mean, it just, like, what are you doing, man? (laughs) From his verified account. (laughs) I know. I knew you would love that. (laughs) So dumb. (laughs) Skip, you are the man! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Love the new show on FS1! Exclamation point, exclamation point. Verbatim. And this is, for the record, multiple journalists were sent these screenshots and whatnot, and, like, it's confirmed to be true. It was not just a photoshopped thing. It was a confirmed thing that happened. (laughs) Yeah, because you don't know these days. Okay, but even that alone, as funny as it is, is I, it goes against journalism, though, because mm-hmm. that itself, obviously, it's not like published, it's not on record, but you're still manipulating the audience in an untruthful way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You sure are. Yep. It's very deceptive. Yep. Um, trigger warning going into this segment. Just if you don't want to hear some other pretty dark stuff, please fast forward. And I I hate that I even have to talk about this. But here we are. I remember when this happened last year and I was infuriated because of this. And I've only ever known Skip to provide these terrible takes. But this really crossed the line for me. And you will see why. Oh, no. So a writer said going into this or after it happened, another fellow sports writer said, if someone were to take issue with every one of Skip Bayless's dumb or ill-informed opinions, there wouldn't be time left for anything else. Sometimes, however, what he says is too ignorant and offensive, too dangerous to be ignored. And this is one of those times. So Cowboys quarterback, Dak Prescott, very famous, very big deal. The Cowboys are America's team. We're going back to the Cowboys now. We're going back to the Cowboys. Okay. Dak spoke publicly about his struggle with depression because he lost his brother to suicide. And he said, our adversities, our struggles, what we go through is always going to be too much for ourselves and maybe too much for even one or two people, but never too much for a community or too much for people in the family that you love. So you have to share these things. 
And this could lend itself to a whole separate discussion about athletes using their platform and how people look up to athletes to speak on these things. Mm-hmm. Like we mentioned at the top of the episode, it really does intersect with societal issues and things like that. And so many people, when Dak came out with these struggles, so many people were like, the impact that this will make on young men specifically who look up to him in the area of mental health and will feel comfortable talking about their own mental health issues is astronomical. So people were praising Dak as they should, because that's a big deal to see your idol come out with mental health issues. I'm already getting angry and I don't even know what Well, you you do know though. So Skip took the opportunity to criticize him for speaking out about this and said, (sighs) you should just quote, fight back and not give in to depression. He said, you're commanding an entire franchise, you know, because he's a quarterback. Because of all that, I don't have sympathy for him going public with, quote, I got depressed. He's the quarterback of America's team. Okay. So it sounds like a lot of projection going on here. I'm going to put on my armchair psychologist hat. Hold on. It's a beret. (laughs) (laughs) Good callback. And almost every story you've told me so far, it just makes me think of, like, him growing up and the struggles and how mm-hmm. I mean he must have been and maybe still is like very deeply depressed from yep. his abuse and the relationship with his father and he because his, his father passed away so soon then mm-hmm. he didn't get to work through those issues correct and so now he's going to go after someone for speaking out about it like what what is your editing yeah. here dude I mean it's Someone equated it in one of the articles I read to the equivalent of telling someone to rub some dirt in it. And it's so true. Like he just, he brushed it off. He's the quarterback of America's team. Yeah. And he's using his platform to talk about how he needed help. He was saying he didn't even have the energy to work out because he was dealing with full-blown depression. So, so Skip, what's the alternative? Everyone just sucks it up and... He clearly doesn't understand it or he's projecting. Like, it's insane to me. He basically said it was a personal failing on Dak's side. Wow. But worse than anything else, I think this is what triggered me the most. Beyond all this, he made these (laughs) comments on World Suicide Prevention Day. And if you recall, that's how Dak lost his brother. No. (sighs) Yeah. So this really solidified personally my hatred of Skip. I've never liked him, but I know we're skipping ahead a little bit here, but I can't control it after those comments. Of course, just our opinions, like we said. But if you are a Skip fan and you are angry at us because of this, please let us know. We want to know, like, what what is the appeal? Why why do you love him? Let's let's hear it. I do want to know. So not surprisingly social media, again, set on fire by these comments. I remember seeing them in real time. So many other athletes, so many other celebrities came out just absolutely destroying Skip for his comments on it and supporting Dak as they should have. People were praising Dak beyond all, you know, things that you could comprehend because they were like, dude, everyone's supporting you. Like, don't think for a second that people feel how Skip feels because that's a terrible take. And in light of this, and only after... It went viral on social media. Fox Sports, his employer, came out and said, At Fox Sports, we are proud of Dak Prescott for publicly revealing his struggle with depression and mental health. No matter the cause of the struggle, Fox Sports believes Dak showed tremendous courage, which is evident in both his leadership on the Dallas Cowboys and in his character off the field. And then did Skip get fired? or? Well, Kate, this (sighs) arguably is going to make you more mad than anything else. 
this past year, early 2021, um, Skip signed a contract for $32 million with Fox Sports. Why? What is going on? Ratings. It is all ratings and people hate watch this man so like they just want to watch him to see how ridiculous his takes get that's so gross so gross so not only that espn tried to win him back this time too and uh i thought but he's a communist uh (laughs) this dollar amount this 32 million no arguably more than the athletes that he criticizes for making so much money so that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It's it's just a lot. It's, now you know why I said you were going to hate this episode. <laughs> I'm I'm very engaged, though. I'm <laughs> enjoying it, but I'm very upset right now. Yeah. So that gives us to the present and just some other things that didn't really fit in that are really weird but exist in the world of Skip Bayless. He has a really long-standing hatred of LeBron James, and every chance he gets, he takes him down. He's been doing this since LeBron started his career. Even if it's something positive, like LeBron's an MVP, LeBron won a championship, he turns it into a moment to hate him. It's just, it is so weird. People are like, why does he hate LeBron so much? Because no one can figure it out. He's like, he chokes and this and that and blah, 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 blah. Like, just the most ridiculous stuff. He also called Kobe Bryant, RIP, no. old and washed up a couple of years ago. Like, dude, he won an Oscar. That's way more than you can say. And he was an absolute gem of a human. So, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but yeah. Mostly. Out. <laughs> mostly. I, I love Kobe. I love yeah. Kobe. Yeah. On the contrary, uh, he had really like weird love affairs for certain athletes. Still does. Tim Tebow, great example. <laughs> Loves Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow could do nothing wrong in his okay. eyes. Tim Tebow didn't even make it in the NFL. He was just <laughs> really good in college. He was a quarterback. Like, didn't do anything. All he did was praise him for years. In fact, they actually, I say they, the interwebs, made a YouTube song to All I Do Is Win because Skip said about Tim so many times, all he does is win. So people on YouTube put together a compilation of it and turned it into a song. (laughs) Like, it's just bizarre to me that he's all over the map with these people. There's no rhyme or reason to it. I don't know. It kind of sounds like he likes the people who are not that great and goes after the people who are better than him, maybe. I don't know. Uh, But then he's friends with Lil Wayne. Like, uh, how does that factor in? I I just mean in the sports world. I don't get that relationship (laughs) whatsoever. But also, maybe we're going to have to do a Lil Wayne episode someday. Because I don't know. I love his music, but I don't know what he's like personally. And maybe he's just as wacky. Mm -hmm. So So true. So going to leave you with a few quotes before we talk about if he's the worst or not. But... Stephen A. Smith, who's been a long sparring partner of Skip's, said, Athletes don't like him, and I'm being kind when I say that. I won't repeat the things they call him in private. But he's factual and fearless and more than does his homework, and anyone who attacks his character is dead wrong. Mm, Okay. Some other journalists described him in a feature on him. He said, Skip lives, in short, like a traveling monk with a touch of sports Asperger's, though he earns a high salary from a network eager to lock him up for years. 
So that was from a few years ago. But a traveling monk with a touch of sports Asperger's. Okay. Great. Great description. <laughs> and last but not least, Bayless is brilliant at picking up heat, spotting born stars in the nebulous stage, and claiming early stakes in their stories. So it goes back to that storytelling and the ability to see things like many of the people we cover do before anyone else does. The bottom line here, Kate, is he's always been known as a jerk. He constantly oversteps his boundaries. He brings any network he's on great ratings and viewers and consequently gets paid for it. However, he may or may not be the worst. What say you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, like we said earlier, I feel really sad for child Skip. I feel bad for the child inside him. But uh, Skip, as we know today... I'm going to say he's the worst. I don't know. Yep. And those quotes were kind of... I'm sorry I cut you off while you were saying that quote, no, but I just okay. couldn't even help myself. <laughs> but to say that he is like super factual and everything, that is that true? I It seems like he's not. He is the one who... Maybe he does do a lot of research, but I don't know if he's spouting facts out. I agree. We talked about this a little bit with Howard, but... I just have a really hard time with people who are so smart and could have the ability to bring meaningful journalism to the world. And they just choose not to. Like, they choose to just be controversial for the sake of being controversial. They choose to bring hot takes and debate people and be an asshole. And it's like, you actually have a really cool platform. And you're obviously a talented writer to get to where you are. Yeah, but Jess... A $32 million contract. Yep. And kind of same with Howard, his deal with, what's it called? Sirius. Sirius, yeah. Yep. It works. And maybe had he gone down a different path, and I mean, Skip, like, maybe he could have still been like a really talented writer and everything and still been really successful. Mm-hmm. But it seems like early on, he just figured out, ah, this, this is what's going to get the people <laughs> riled up today. This is what's going to do it. Yeah. I, How does he still get all the scoops and stuff, though, if all the athletes hate him? that's Well, the thing is, he's not really giving scoops or exclusives. He's just giving just his, his hot takes hmm. all the time. And that's what gets viewed. I cannot figure out the psychology behind who watches it. But I think yeah. people like controversy and like... I I don't know. It's a really interesting phenomenon. If you have opinions on this, I would love to hear from our listeners what your thoughts are on Skip and like this whole concept of shock jock slash saying things for effect versus actual journalism. Um, Because to me, a lot of people's opinions on him from the writing world are not favorable. Stephen A. Smith was the only positive quote that I could find. And what he was saying about ESPN, those people clearly don't like him and don't care for him. So who are his allies other than Lil Wayne? I don't know. Hey, Weezy, if you hear this, just email us at podcastdesignpickle.com <laughs> and let us know. Give us the tea. Give us the skip. tea. We would love to know. But I don't know. I agree with you, Kate. I do think he's the worst, but I think he he chooses actively to be the worst, if that makes yeah. sense. Like Which he, almost makes it worse in a way. Exactly. <laughs> like he is choosing to use his talent and his intelligence for evil and his creativity for the wrong ways and shocking people in the wrong way, not 
doing sports journalism and journalism in general justice, in my opinion. Yeah, wow. I mean, that was just you harp on me for not knowing much about the sports world. I certainly didn't know anything about this, but that was really cool to dive into this whole industry and just really um, hate listen to you about (laughs) this man. I'm glad you came on this journey with me, Kate. I know it's it's outside our usual realm, but you know, we got to shake it up from time to time. If you like this direction, we also want to know. If you hated it, we also want to (laughs) know. So (laughs) give us your opinions. Just don't be as mean as Skip. (laughs) please (laughs) and also don't be mean like skip and please subscribe like rate review the show it helps us out a ton and follow us on the social medias at creatives are the worst or worst creatives on twitter and i don't think we've mentioned this but we are putting episodes out on youtube now so if youtube is your jam and you prefer to listen that way go check us out on youtube we will be doing poll questions on the design pickle channels if you're into polls which kate and i love polls because we love giving our opinions clearly That's true. That's true. Thanks, Jess. That was great. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next week to find out who else could be the worst. I don't know. Bye. Bye.